So here I'll be talking about the action potential. And an action potential is essentially the mechanism by which an electrical impulse is transmitted from one neuron to another. So each neuron undergoes an action potential upon stimulation, either by other neurons or from the environment. And this action potential propagates in an all-or-nothing phenomenon, which means that it either fires or it doesn't fire. There's no in-between. Now, before we get into more of the details around the action potential, we should first understand uh, the resting membrane potential of a neuron. So what is the resting membrane potential or the resting potential? Well, essentially, it's a consistent negative voltage maintained within the neural membrane that is retained throughout neural activity, except for when it undergoes stimulation or when it is firing in an action potential. And this negative voltage, which is maintained, is actually around negative 70 millivolts. And this is maintained by the sodium-potassium pump. So what is a sodium-potassium pump? That's, it's basically a channel protein. Specifically, it is an antiport protein, which pumps sodium ions outside the cell and potassium ions into the cell. And this pumping essentially occurs in a 3 to 2 ratio. So relatively... You can imagine it as three sodium ions are pumped out and two potassium ions are pumped into the neural membrane. And if you do the math, this leaves a net one positive charge that keeps escaping the neuron. And by consistently removing this positive charge, we can say the neuron ends up having a very negative membrane potential, which is negative 70 millivolts. So this is sort of how the negative potential is maintained. But now you may be wondering, why doesn't it go lower than negative 70? Why, why doesn't it just keep getting more and more negative and go on until forever? And this is actually because of the presence of other ion channels called leak channels. And these occasionally allow a couple sodium ions to diffuse through facilitated diffusion back into the neuron or allows more potassium ions to diffuse out of the neuron because as we already know through this pumping there are more sodium ions being pumped outside and therefore there are more so sodium ions outside the neuron while there are more potassium ions inside the neuron and this creates a diffusion gradient and through it is through these leak channels that the that the uneven pumping is sort of counterbalanced and this helps maintain the resting potential at negative 70 and prevents it from becoming too negative. Also, just for the record, if I haven't cleared out before, um, sodium and potassium ions both have a charge of plus one. So they're equal in charge and they're both positive. Of course, there's another ion that is mildly involved in maintaining the resting potential, which is the chloride ion. And this has a minus one negative charge. The chloride ion doesn't have any overt role in the resting membrane potential as it's present on both sides, but they're present in a much higher concentration outside the neural membrane. And this again prevents the outside region of the membrane from becoming too positive. And consequently, this prevents the membrane potential inside the neuron from becoming too negative. Of course, occasionally if the membrane potential rises slightly, chloride ions can diffuse in again through specific facilitated diffusion protein channels to help make the membrane potential more negative again. So in summary, that is how the resting membrane potential of a neuron works. So now let's get to the more interesting bit, which is the depolarization. And depolarization essentially means 
the onset of the action potential. And it's over here that the membrane potential rises from negative 70 to around plus 30 millivolts. And it occurs as a result of stimulation, as I said, from either another neuron or from somewhere around its environment. And this mild stimulation consequently results in a rise in the membrane potential due to the electrical impulse being received by the neuron. And if this rise in membrane potential reaches to around negative 50 millivolts, then it results in an action potential. And this this threshold of negative 50 millivolts is actually called the threshold potential. And if the rise in voltage does not exceed or reach negative 50 millivolts, then the stimulation is not sufficient enough for neurons to fire. So because we're talking about the action potential here, for argument's sake, let's assume that the stimulation reaches negative 50 millivolts, and this is sufficient to trigger an action potential. So what happens here? Well, essentially there are voltage-gated sodium channels present in the membranes of neurons, and they're called voltage-gated sodium channels for a specific reason. Firstly, they're voltage-gated, which means that they're protein channels that only open upon sufficient stimulation, which in this case is the threshold of negative 70 millivolts. Secondly, they're called sodium channels because they only allow for the facilitated diffusion of sodium down its concentration gradient. And this becomes really important in explaining how the membrane potential of the neuron rises so sharply from negative 50 to plus 30 millivolts in the next stage, which is known as depolarization. So essentially, depolarization, these voltage-gated sodium channels open, and as I mentioned before, during the resting membrane potential, there's a higher concentration of sodium ions outside the neuron and a lower concentration inside. So naturally, you could guess that sodium ions would diffuse into the neuron, and this is exactly what happens. They diffuse into the neuron, and sodium being positive results in a much higher increase in the membrane potential of a neuron. And therefore, this is what causes the membrane potential to rise from negative 50 millivolts to plus 30 millivolts. And that's kind of how the neuron fires. And that's actually the spike that people often use to define neurons or when they're reading electroencephalograms, for example. And, and an important thing to note here is that all action potentials fire in pretty much exactly the same manner. So they all have approximately the same magnitude and this does not depend on the intensity of stimulation. The intensity of the stimulation is simply to allow the membrane to reach its threshold potential. And beyond this, the firing is pretty much the exact same in all neurons. Anyway, so let's move on to the next step, which is repolarization. As you can probably induce from the word, Repolarization is essentially the opposite of depolarization. So it's the return of the membrane potential from its positive, now plus 30 voltage, to a more negative voltage, which actually goes up to negative 90 millivolts, but that's something I'll come to in a couple of minutes. So what happens here is upon reaching this, this peak at plus 30 millivolts, another set of protein channels open that are called voltage-gated potassium channels. And I'm pretty sure you can guess from the name what exactly this does. It's voltage-gated, so it opens only at a specific voltage, which in this case is plus 30 millivolts. And it's called potassium channels because it only allows for the facilitated diffusion of potassium. 
Now, just to reiterate what I'd said about the resting membrane potential, a neuron in its resting state has a higher concentration of potassium ions inside the neuron and a lower concentration outside. So when these potassium voltage-gated channels open, you can only imagine that potassium would diffuse out by facilitated diffusion to outside the neuron. And this is exactly what happens. And since potassium is positive, the diffusion of positive ions or the leaving of positive ions from the cell results in a net loss of positive ions, which results in consequently a decrease in voltage. But here's the interesting part. There's actually another step to this. It doesn't happen that the potassium ions leave and then suddenly the resting membrane potential is restored and the whole process can happen all over again. What really happens is the next stage, and this is actually the second last stage of the action potential, and this is called hyperpolarization. So this is essentially a more extreme form of repolarization. And it happens when, so when these potassium-gated ion channels open, a lot of potassium leaves the cell. And because of this excess of potassium ions leaving the cell, the membrane potential of the neuron actually becomes more negative than it normally is. So this can range anywhere between negative 75 to negative 90 millivolts. But the idea is that it's more negative than it is in its resting state. And therefore, it must return to its original state. And this phase of a sudden extra decrease in the membrane potential is called hyperpolarization, which lasts for around one millisecond. And now we come to the last bit, which is called the refractory period. And this is the period where the resting membrane potential is restored to its original value. Now let's recall the current status of the ions in our neuron. So now, because sodium ions rushed in, they're still inside the cell. Potassium ions rushed out, so now they're generally largely outside the cell. But if you compare this with the original resting membrane potential, originally it had a higher concentration of potassium inside the cell and more sodium outside the cell. So currently it has an opposite ion concentration than it should normally have. So essentially during this period, which lasts around 2 to 3 milliseconds, the sodium-potassium pump tries to restore its original value of negative 70 millivolts by using ATP to pump sodium out and pump potassium into the cell at a ratio of 3 to 2, which is the same pump that was used to maintain the resting potential. So during this period, further stimulation does not actually result in an action potential. Now why is this, you might be wondering? Well, essentially during this time, while the sodium-potassium pumps are working hard to restore the original concentrations of ions, sodium voltage-gated channels are inactivated. And therefore, even if further stimulation results in a voltage membrane potential of negative 50 millivolts or even if it exceeds the threshold potential, an action potential cannot fire because sodium voltage-gated channels cannot open, and therefore none of the depolarization and consequently the repolarization and hyperpolarization and refractory period, for that matter, let's just throw that in, cannot happen. Now, why is this? Why would, why would our neurons bother to be so inconvenient as to include this entire concept of hyperpolarization and the refractory period instead of simply allowing the voltage-gated channels to allow enough potassium to diffuse out to restore the neuron back to its original resting membrane potential period. Well, 
the main function for this is to ensure unidirectional propagation. So let's say there's a neural pathway in the brain. You wouldn't want the action potential or the electrical impulse to be firing from one neuron across different directions to neurons on both sides of that one neuron. That, because that would create a lot of confusion in terms of where to receive and send signals because all of a sudden the effector muscle which contracts upon electrical stimulation, can suddenly be a sensory receptor which can also transmit messages through the very same neural pathway. It also prevents the initiation of the action potential in the same region because that could result in overstimulation of the neuron, which could result in undesirable consequences, such as possible neuronal damage or destruction. So these two features of unidirectional propagation and the prevention of multiple action potentials and overstimulation are essential for proper neural functioning. And that's kind of why this entire hyperpolarization and refractory period mechanism is placed. And once the refractory period is over, further stimulation can or will result in the formation of a new action potential. So essentially that's the action potential at a very cellular level. Of course, this has been studied in much more detail. There are, in fact, several equations that describe the influx and the efflux of ions into and out of the cell. But those are getting to the very detailed specifics, which aren't, which we don't really need to know at this level. Nevertheless, I still might end up making a podcast about it in the future. But these are the basic mechanisms of the action potential, which... Anyone who wishes to enter the field of neuroscience or who's just interested in how neural activity works must know.